I had to learn that I was never going to move beyond my genuine relationship with God. Not what people saw, but what God saw. I had to have, a, I had to have private victories that were stronger than my public victories. I had to learn how to dance in private. I had to learn how to worship in private. I had to learn how to have communion in private. I had to quit leaning upon church to give me. This is one of those things that always used to frustrate me as a pastor. You preach your heart out. You go from series to series and somebody says, I'm just not being fed. And I always wanted to say, you big baby, why don't you learn to feed yourself? I just wanted to say, I'm feeding a lot more people than you, and somebody else might need a different thing than you need right now. With all of the podcasts, and with all the sermon CDs, and with all the versions of the Bible, and all the audio Bibles, you're telling me you are unfed? Sometimes you need to be in the kitchen, not sitting at the table. Sometimes you need to be in there preparing something for somebody else, not saying, feed me, feed me, feed me, like babies do all the time. Sometimes you got to get in there, pull up your bootstraps and draw a sword and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and do something strong. And you can only do that if you have a relationship with God. You can't, you can't be riding on the coattail of every preacher for a word from the Lord. You can't, be, you can't be always the first, the last person in the prayer line every time. At some point in time, you need to get healed enough to lay your hands on somebody else and pray for their need. At some point in time, we got to get out of the infant stage and the needy stage and grow up in the army of God, in the family of God, and make a contribution. So the first place courage comes from is your relationship with God. Not Moses' relationship with God, but your relationship with God. How many of you have learned that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous can run into it and be saved? How many have learned that God is whatever you need in every situation that you need? How many of you have learned that the Holy Spirit wants to be more than a power? He wants to be your best friend. He wants to walk with you and talk talk with you and guide you and comfort you and strengthen you. When you get your own personal relationship with the Lord, you will begin to find courage and strength in that relationship. So I want to ask you a question. Think about all the people you hang around. Which people do you hang around that makes you feel strong? And who are the people you hang around that makes you feel weak? That's a great question. Who do you hang out with that makes you feel strong? And who do you hang out with that makes you feel weak? So the word encourage means that I just gave you courage. You can't keep this. But there's my wallet, all right? I hope it encourages you. All right, it definitely encourages me. I hope it encourages you. It encourages my wife even more so, and my grandkids. So to give someone courage means you gave them something that made them feel stronger. When you discourage somebody, you took their strength from them. I can't stand parents who use negativism to always try to make their kids stronger. I've never seen it work even one time 
keep cutting them down, keep pushing them, keep making them feel bad thinking you're building them up, it never works. And I promise you parents, it'll backfire on you one day and you'll be alone. I've never seen that work even once. I've counseled people that had to endure that for years. No, you know the people that I don't have to counsel? Those whose parents made them feel strong. Who told them what they could do. To tell them to go after life. Who pointed out all of their strengths and their abilities and honed those abilities in their life. There are people in your life who give you courage and there are people in your life who take your courage. They discourage you to take courage. When I was pastor in Twin Rivers, you know, we had thousands of people that attended our church. But all those thousands of people didn't always give me courage, but there was about five or six people that did. Most of them were elders in our church. Elder Froud would come by after every sermon and shake my hand and hug my neck and say, Pastor, I've waited my whole life to hear that word this morning. He always said a poetic word like that. And he just always make me, he made me feel strong. Man, I couldn't wait to preach again when he was there. He made me want to preach. Elder Erudi was a little Italian elder who would come up. He was the most loving person I think I've ever met. He would come up and when he hugged me, his head hit me about here. He would hug me and just say, oh, pastor, oh, pastor, oh, pastor. That was so wonderful. Music to my ears, as only an Italian can put it. Music to my ears. I mean, he would encourage me. Elder Narain was from Guyana, and he always called me the man of God. And he put a D at the end of man, I guess. But, oh, man of God. The word of the Lord was in your mouth, man of God. He made me want to be a man of God. I mean... That man made me want to preach. He was in my amen corner. I don't care. If I was reading my devotion, and he was already in the amen corner. That man made me want to preach. He could shout at the end. I, I don't care what you read of the Bible. Jesus wept. He'd get up and shout. It didn't matter. He was the shoutingest black man I've ever met in my life, and one of my dearest friends, and he encouraged me all the time. Men of God. Oh, I love to hear him say it. Phil and Donna Jones, oh my goodness, treasures. If I've ever had treasures from heaven, it was them. Phil and Donna, she gave the best hugs anybody could give. She was an Italian woman that knew how to hug, man, and she hugged with everything. And she would put a bear hug on you, and just, she was one of those that tilted you back and forth when she hugged you, and you got to get the whole hug in. And Donna would come up after every sermon, every sermon, and hug me like that and tell me something beautiful about the sermon. Something that she would say, I've waited for years for someone to explain that to me. She worked at a Hebrew school and she spoke Hebrew and she worked for the rabbis and loved them, but she loved her pastor. Elder Haynes, who was my armor bearer, who traveled with me around the world. He was the old retired Marine who was tough as nails. His compliments were very sparse, but I hung on to every one of them for years. These people, thousands I preached to, but these people made me strong. And then I buried them. Every 
one of them. I buried the first one, and I didn't realize how much strength I was getting from them. Then I buried the next one. I buried Elder Froud. Then I buried Elder Narain, the man of God guy. And then I buried Elder Erudy. And then I buried my dearest friends, Phil and Donna Jones, both of them. And then I buried Mary and, and DJ Haynes. And then I hit bottom. And I didn't even know why. I did not know what had happened to me. I had thousands around me. I had 62 on payroll. I was surrounded by a lot of people's dream. But I couldn't find my courage because I realized that my courage was given to me as a gift from encouragers who surrounded me. And when they were gone, I hit crisis. Don't ever underestimate the power of an encourager. I want to say this. It's not in my notes. I just want to say it. I thought I would never get that back, but I do have it back from the intercessors that pray at ISO. Every week of my life, I get a card. Crystal's our chaplain at ISO. Every week of my life, I get a card from an intercessor from those who meet on Thursday and pray, and I get a, an anointed cloth to take on the road with me. I'm gonna be preaching this weekend in North Carolina, and I will carry an anointed cloth with me from those ISO intercessors that pray every Thursday. Frank Butler gave me one that's still on my desk. I can't even, I can't even file it. I've never thrown away one of them. They're all still there. I've never thrown it away because it... You have no idea. I felt like all five of those guys were talking to me again. And it put something in me. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world. You don't realize sometimes that sometimes you're weak because you're not hanging around strong people. Sometimes you don't realize that everybody in your life needs you. You need somebody that doesn't need you. You think that makes you strong? It doesn't. It drains the life out of you. You, need, you don't always have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't always have to be the most holy person in the room. You don't always have to be. Sometimes you need people who can pour things back into your life. Um, I was on a missions trip, and I don't want to go too long here, but I was on a missions trip. I would always take young ministers I've always been training young ministers for as long as I can remember. And I would graduate them from a two to three year program and then take them on the hardest missions trip that I could find. Well, Elder Haynes always wanted to go with me. And Elder Haynes, by this time, is in his 80s. But he won't let me go alone. He's my travel partner. He's my accountability partner. Uh, he goes and stays in the hotel rooms with me a lot of times and won't let me watch TV, wants to pray all night, you know, things like that. And he traveled with me for years and years and years. And so, um, Elder Haynes, I'm going into Honduras. 
We have to take machetes and, high, and we have to cut our way through the rainforest of Honduras into the backside of Nicaragua. And we're going into a refugee camp to minister in this refugee camp. And uh, we have to cut our way at the backside. We have, to, we have to canoe on the Cocoa River and several things to get there. It takes about five days to get there. That's just to get there. And then five days to get out. So we're in the middle of the Honduran jungle. We're cutting our way through with machetes. I've got like seven young guys with me, and older Haynes, and then another guy, two of my armor bearers are with me. And these young guys are trying to impress us because they're fast, and they're strong, and they're cutting their way through the rainforest, and they want to go all the way and get to the river and jump in the river and swim while we're, cutting, while we're walking behind them. So they get way ahead of us, two miles ahead of us. They're already in the river. They think they're doing us a favor because we don't have to use our machetes. We're carrying great big bags. And I'm not going to leave Dave, and Dave's not going to leave me, Dave Haynes. Dave collapses in the middle of the Honduran jungle. He gets heat exhaustion. Yeah, you can say it. I can't. Exhaustion. There you go. He gets overheated. (laughs) And he faints. I've got Don with me. We're both carrying 75-pound backpacks, big duffel bags full. All of us are. And so I have to put all this weight on Don. Don has my backpack and Dave's backpack and his backpack, and he is pulling all of this weight down this jungle, and I have to pick up Dave and carry him. I picked up this old armor bearer who has been with me through everything. I can tell you story after story of miracles that God has done through his hands in meetings that I've conducted around the world. I pick up this old man and I carry him. I have no idea how far it is to the river. And we realized when we started walking, we found out later that we had walked for two miles. I'm carrying him in the heat of Honduran jungle grain forest for two miles. When those young guys saw us coming, they ran in a panic. And they ran and they wanted to take him out of my arms. By this time, I'm weeping profusely. Not from pain, but from privilege. At this time, I realized that God has given me the greatest gift he has ever given me. And while these young boys try to take DJ Haynes out of my arms, I said, no way. I said, the greatest honor I've ever had in my life is to carry the man who's been carrying me. It's the greatest honor I've ever had. And I carried him two miles. Luckily, there was a doctor that went up there with the young boys and he was fine. He lived many more years, but I carried my armor bearer because he carried me. And I'm telling you guys, your strength comes from your relationships. If you're weak, you're not hanging around enough strong people. If you're weak, you don't have enough encouragers in your life. If you're weak, you're carrying too many people. If you're weak and discouraged, Because God's asked you to do something you've never done before. You need to change your relationships. 
I, I, there's so many relationships I was going to talk about that I don't have time to talk about. Your friends, your mentors. I'll never forget one time I was frustrated. And my redhead came to me and she said, why are you frustrated? I said, I can't figure out how to do this. And she said, why don't you mentor your way out? And I realized that I'd chosen mentors for a reason. And I called up one of my mentors. And this mentor knew in two minutes what to do. And I'd been struggling for two months over it. I was in anguish over it. And in two minutes, I said, oh, man, that's nothing. Just do this. It'll all work out. And I did exactly what he said. And it was over. Two minutes. Because I had the right relationship in my life. I had someone who could speak into me and give me courage. Moses is dead, but you have to do this. I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to send people into your life who will speak into your life. So then he says, I, I do want to mention this. Everyone's looking for a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. And thank the Lord if you get one. Not everyone gets one, but thank the Lord if you do. But don't forget this. The same passage that talks about your spiritual father in 1 Corinthians 4.15 says you also have 10,000 instructors. Everything God asks you to do, there's 10,000 people who can tell you how to do it. God's not gonna, all you have to do is listen. All you have to do is ask the right questions. All you have to do is set up the right meetings. There are people who already know how to do what you're struggling with. You have 10,000 instructors the Lord has set up to show you what you need to do. Don't go at it alone. Your courage is gonna come from your relationships. Every strong person in this room learns something from somebody. Every person that thinks you're a self-made man or woman, I promise you, you might have put in your time. You might have put in some hard work, but somebody got you started or somebody taught you something significant that helped you to learn what it is that you know. So let's keep going. We're almost done. Joshua 1 and 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it meditate on it day and night and should be careful to do all that is in it for you will it will make your way prosperous and you will achieve success so the lord says and the other thing not only relationships first a relationship with god relationship with other people and then next stay in the word anybody learned what i've learned the word of god makes you strong it makes you courageous it it really does it makes you strong and courageous so i want to conclude with this I told you this is going to be more of a teaching tonight. I hope that you're getting this. Everybody getting this tonight? Praise the Lord. Um, this lesson started with two things that gave Israel courage. The first thing was Moses, because God's hand was on him. And secondly was uh, the, the fact that God's abiding presence was with them through the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. So the Lord is telling Joshua, you've got to be strong. So now God says, because you've trusted me, because you've forged your own relationship with me, I'm going to do for you what I did for Moses. So when you get into Joshua chapter three, first of all, there's the tithe of the Canaan land. So I don't know how many of you understand what's going on at Jericho, but it's the tithe. They have to tithe before they can receive the harvest. So God sends them into Jericho and he says, you can't take anything. 
It's, this is a city. This is going to be a wealthy city. It's going to be real tempting, but you have to put it in my hands. So I don't want you to take anything. So it's the tithe of the promised land. And so that's chapter two of Joshua. When you get into chapter three, the journey starts. And the Lord says to Joshua, this day, this day, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel so that you will know that just as I've been with Moses, I will also be with you. So that day, God says, I'm gonna, I want you to take this first step. It's terrifying, it's scary, but I want you to take the first step. And when the priest stepped into the waters, God did a miracle under the hand of Joshua like he did Moses. What was the first thing he did for Moses to prove to them? Well, besides the, the leopard hand, the leprous hand and all of that, he parts the Red Sea, right? That's the first miracle to show them the great man of God is with them. So the priests step into the Jordan River and the Jordan is the dividing line between the past and the present. It's the dividing line between what was and what is, the wilderness and the promised land. And so God rolls back the Jordan. They step in, and just like with Moses, God parts the Jordan River, and it, it rolls all the way back to a city called Adam, and that's another sermon for another day. But that's, it rolls all the way back. It's the form of baptism, by the way. So it's a type and shadow of baptism. And he rolls the water all the way back to Adam and says, now walk across. And they walked across the Jordan on dry land, and the people said, okay, we can trust this kid because God is with him. He's a young man, he's inexperienced, but God, he's never done anything like this before, but God is with him. And then the Bible says, and this is the, the final scripture, so Braden, if you guys wanna go ahead and come to the stage, in chapter three, verse 13, and it will come about, when the souls of the feet of the priests have carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth will rest upon the waters of the Jordan and the waters of the Jordan will be cut off. That is the waters which are flowing down from above and they will stand in one heap. So the final thing that God did is he said, no, you don't have the pillar of cloud by, by day and the pillar of fire by night, but what you are gonna get is God rested. God said, when I rest on you, everything changes. When I sit on you, when I roost on you, everything changes. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com. Or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you. And may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word.